This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Uh, I mean, it feels terrible. You know, I obviously let my team down. Um, you know, credit to them. They they fought back time and time again, um, gave me opportunities, and, you know, just didn't um, execute at the end of the day. And, um, you know, so it's disappointing for me um, just personally and, you know, that the, the team fought so hard and stuff. And, you know, luckily we at least we came up with a tie. But, you know, we, we expect to win that, and I expect to make those make those kicks to um, – you know, win the game for the team. And that's the last we're ever going to hear of Daniel Carlson. I wish Vikings the young man, room. I wish him well. I feel bad for him. Do you feel really bad do for feel him? Bad. Yes, he I was, don't feel bad for he him. He was set up to fail. He was set up to fail. They, listen, this is not a second guess. This is a first guess. Draft night. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And then, and then here, here's the this thing. This is Judd's day of vindication, but by here, the way. And I almost wish it would have lasted another Judd's 48 hours. Judd's been sitting hours. on this for like a month. But here, I wanted Judd to have this well, for two days. And he only, he, you only got it for like 12 hours. The, co- the combination, as I told Manny in hour one, the combination of hubris and stupidity drives me crazy. Yeah. The Seattle preseason game was your second strike at which you could have said, oh, this really isn't going to work. Like we just made a mistake. Yeah, it was never. So let's let's do this because I think on one hand, um, it's a credit to the Vikings and Rick Spielman. Identify the mistake that you made and don't let it go any further. Yep. This is a Super Bowl caliber team with an experiment rookie at kicker. I said it on Ventline yesterday. I said they don't do not screw around with this. Go get Dan Bailey if you can. Yes. Don't screw around with this. And they and they did all those things like the the morning after. And like Judd said, it was an obvious first guess. So they deserve credit for not compounding their own mistake. But that doesn't mean that you get off the hook at four o'clock here, less <laughs> no. than twenty four hours or twenty four hours after it happened. Absolutely yeah. not. When did I'm going to throw the the punting situation into this too? And yeah. I'm not saying that the punter was fully to blame for a blocked punt touchdown, but he did have a fifty eight yard boomer that went basically to the goalpost. And the punter last year, Quigley, didn't have any touchbacks all year. When did we all decide collectively here, Vikings front office and stakeholders and fans media? When was it decided that this team that almost went to the Super Bowl had a punter that didn't kick a ball in the end zone the whole season and a really reliable field goal kicker that we're going to blow all that up? That you know, let's just let's let's get rid of the kicker and the punter. Like what? That's the definition of trying to be way too cute as a scouting department, as a general manager, isn't but, it? But hey, you know. We got offensive line issues. Nah, we don't need to take any offensive linemen in the first uh, couple of rounds. Oh, we will take one, but you know what? He's not ready to play yet. And he, you by know. the way, had to play like the had second to play half yesterday. yesterday. I fault two people <laughs> here. I fault two people for the special teams' cuteness. Mike Prefer, the, the 
the coordinator who I think we need to talk and focus more on because he's the guy that, you know, said, I'll go fix Blair Walsh. And he did for a year and then he didn't. And it turned into a disaster. He sent Daniel Carlson to an island. You know what I mean? Prefer and Spielman. And I don't know the answer to your question of why did we decide? All right, let's start with Forbath. If you had said to yourself, Kai Forbath missed too many extra points. We're going to be a really good team, but he just missed too many extra points. So we need to make a change. Then I think you say, okay, logically, what do we do? And the answer is we go get a veteran who we consider to be better than him, which I would have said, oh, interesting, but fine. The punter thing took me completely by surprise. And let's keep in mind, too, the punter had a bad training camp and preseason. Daniel Carlson flat out missed two 42-yard field goals. You didn't cut him, but the punter in four meaningless games, essentially a punting, lost his job. It's very odd. And this is where I will credit baseball front offices. Even the Twins, who've made a ton of mistakes over the past 10 to 12 years, right? And baseball front offices during their meaningless exhibition season will watch a guy like Luke Hughes hit six home runs and bet 400 for a month, or Byung-ho Park come over and just tear the cover off the ball, and they'll say, sorry, this is fool's gold territory here. These are exhibition games. These don't matter. And in fall, Kai Forbath misses one kick in a preseason game, and it's like, oh, 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 oh you lost the competition. Sorry, and, and the competition was a farce from the beginning. Or Quigley. We're going to ignore his entire full season or multiple seasons of regular season resume because, oh, man, that third preseason game, so, not enough hang time. So I mean, come on. Clearly in football, I think a lot of times it's seeing what you want to see, and once you see it, the move is made. So it's not yeah. really competitions. Yeah, it's, it's confirmation it's, bias. It's, they were looking They were yeah. looking for – they were wanting Kai Forbath to miss a field goal in preseason. Yes. To, so that they could have their validation because they didn't want to keep him around because Spielman traded up in the fifth round to take this big-legged kicker from the SEC, and he he just wanted that. They just wanted that reason to get rid of Kai Forbath. Did it seem to you guys, and that was a wonderful Ryan Longwell interview, the questions were what made the interview to me, I thought, but it was... <laughs> responses were very damning. Yeah. But he, <laughs> but you guys asked all the right questions, and he in particular... He was trying to be subtle about it at first, but by the end of the interview, he was, he's very much looking at Mike Prefer and maybe other coaches and saying, you clearly make kickers jittery or your style of how you communicate. Like He kept going back to how you communicate with kickers and, and kickers. There's a very particular way in which, and he also three different times said, you can't fix this with a stopwatch watching film, that there's an art and a nuance to this. And I thought that was really telling. It's not a coincidence that this team has had five different kickers in six years, right? I agree with Ryan Longwell. Young kickers, veteran kickers. That's the thing is they can't they can't even settle on what, what they want. They go from Blair Walsh, young kicker failed us, let's go get a veteran. And then somebody, some chef in the kitchen gets the bright idea, no, let's go back Daniel to a young Carlson, kicker. Daniel Carlson, yeah. he can kick the ball 60 but, yards. But I, th- I think... So if if you were to take what Ryan told us and take a step back and absorb it, I think what he's saying, and he's probably right, is it's high time the teams start to hire, start to put somebody in their building who has kicked before and has a good mind for it. You know, special teams coordinator is what? I'm in charge of the punter. I'm in charge of the kicker. I'm in charge of the coverages. I'm in charge of the kickoff return guy, the punt return guy. Alley wedge left and alley wedge right. Thank you, Paul Farrell. <laughs> alley wedge! But... If you think about it with how specific sports have become, and especially football, 
It doesn't make a lot of sense. Why is Mike Prefer in? Why is Mike Prefer trying to do or work with a guy who he probably doesn't understand that well? And it's certainly a skill set that he has not done. Yeah, that's a good point. And that I, you definitely need a special teams coordinator for schemes and yes. for all the returns and the, all those things, yes. right? An overseer. But you almost need a a guy who has kicked before, a Ryan Longwell type, just from the mental perspective. Especially if you have a twenty three year old. And I did see our guy Mike Rand at the Star Tribune posted a good think piece today, just kind of pontificating, okay, now that Dan Bailey, it's not official official, but Dan Bailey is going to be the kicker for this team, barring a failed physical. Is there anything to worry about in the future? Would you regret, did you draft the right guy, but you're cutting bait after two weeks, and he's going to come back and be this great kicker for a long time? To which case, I say, I don't care. (laughs) Honest to God, I don't care if Daniel Carlson becomes a Hall of Famer. Yes. 15 years down the road, and he's and he's setting NFL records, and he's the Adam Vinatieri of this era. He's not that right now, and this team and has a chance to win the Super Bowl. Yes. You cannot mess around with it. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, again, I will go back to, and Ryan kind of alluded to this, alluded to this too. Why are you drafting a kicker? Why are you drafting a kicker? This league, I told this to Judd last hour, Phil. In today's NFL, what do you need? You need a quarterback, you need pass rushers, and you need guys who can protect the quarterback from said pass rushers. Yes. Like that's that's I mean you need other things too, but like that's that's what you need. Why are you screwing around and Trading, I got to trade up for this kicker in the fifth round because he can kick a ball 60 yards. Well, Why? So is there evidence that's... Especially when you have, you already have a kicker that's already pretty good for you. Do we have Why? Do we have evidence that there was another team ready to grab him in the sixth round? That's what I don't and, understand. And if they were, go right ahead. But the, re- <laughs> but the reason why... Got to trade up. You got to get that kicker. The reason why they did it and the reason why... Despite the fact that Spielman has built a pretty damn good roster that I don't have complete faith, is why is Laquan Treadwell being allowed to drop three balls as the number three receiver on your depth chart? Who, by the way, they signed a veteran today because they realized he can't do it. Spielman has an ego and blind spots that get in the way of the good of this team, and it's that simple. I'm assuming you guys saw the Josh Gordon news over the past hour. Oh, it's so yep. Patriots. We we talked about oh, it. It's yeah. the most it, Patriots thing ever. But if they could, if and I'm not putting Josh Gordon on this level fully, but if they could re recreate what happened with Randy Moss, Randy Moss's stock was down in Oakland, and yeah. they get this in his prime specimen and put him in that system with Tom Brady. Now this is way more of a long shot because Josh Gordon can barely stay on the field, and Randy 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 Moss. Was definitely a character off the field, but Randy, you didn't have to worry about Randy Moss showing up for work on a daily basis, right? So can we, let's let's turn this a little more positive when we come back. We're also going to have Courtney Cronin in about fifteen minutes or so. Matthew Collar for the Mackey and Judd Football Hour in the five o'clock. If you take away the kicking game and you just look at what was left, Packers versus Vikings yesterday. And by the way, they rectified their kicking problem. If we all agree that Dan, Dan Bailey is one of the most accomplished yes. kickers in the, in the NFL the last eight years. So they rectified the thing that drove us all crazy. What's left? And I would argue it's a lot of really good things that happen at Lambeau Field. So we'll talk about that. Mackie and Judd, Manny. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. 
Quick look at your traffic brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. 494 eastbound. We have a crash slowing things down uh, near Nicolette and Portland Avenue in Richfield. Delaying things by a few minutes there. Uh, 94 eastbound. Four-minute delay between uh, 694. That's uh, Xerxes and Shingle Creek Parkway in Brooklyn Center. Look out for a crash there. And uh, 35W southbound, a crash uh, near Stinson and Hennepin Avenue, and uh, East Hennepin Avenue in Lauderdale. Look out for a crash, slowing things down by a few minutes there. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Cousins firing in zone low. Roll and it's caught by Diggs. Touchdown. Here's Cousins. Going to let it fly. Going to let it go deep for Diggs. He's got it. Safar Diggs. Touchdown. A bomb from Cousins to Diggs. So, Phil, when you saw that 75-yard thing of beauty from Cousins to Diggs, did you think the same thing I did, which is basically since Favre left, or since 2010 started, we have seen a lot of quarterbacks make that play and consistently said, you know what, the Vikings don't have that. They don't have that pass play unless they luck into it is not a pass play that yeah. you that you are going to get from th- this team. This is this is where the $84 million investment is worth it because we saw Cousins do things and make throws, and he's got some faults, so I'm not saying he's perfect. He's still not top 10 in my book, but he's got the arm strength, and he can make throws where you watch it and you say, uh-huh, that's why. Well, I thought I'll even go a step further and just say that I thought the kicking fiasco, which has been rectified today, if you're just joining and you're getting in your car. Dan Bailey will be the Vikings' new kicker, and Daniel Carlson has been cut. So it didn't. T- it took the Vikings less than 24 hours to say, "All right, whatever." Our not for this. But that story overshadowed what should be Kirk Cousins' headlines all over the place. Yeah. Look what he did in the second half and the fourth quarter, and that's why my main takeaway now that they've rectified the kicking thing. Okay, you don't get a free pass for that, but you fixed it, and so that's that, that's no longer a thing long term here this season, unless Dan Bailey, you know. Tears a hamstring or it comes or something. back to bite you at the you end, the, end the of the tie. season that I, you had a tie. I don't think it will though, because th- this brings up another discussion of who should feel more upset about that tie result. Probably the team that was playing at home with a two touchdown lead at one point. Yeah, both teams. Yep. So I mean, both teams are going to come away. But Kirk Cousins walks into Lambeau Field, brings the Vikings from down two scores, double digit points, throws for four hundred plus yards, and completes an eight point comeback in the final minute, and just surgically. Marches the offense down the field. That has to make you feel pretty good. If you were questioning, ah, he had a bad fourth quarter in week one, overpaid here. If you're wondering, can he put the team on his back, make the necessary throws, and and lead a two-minute drill offense to tie a game or to take a lead? And the answer, in an environment, by the way, which is fairly hostile, and you're you're facing off against Aaron Rodgers, he outdueled Aaron Rodgers. Now, Rodgers was playing on one leg. So, I was going to say, with but, a huge brace on. But he outdueled Aaron Rodgers, and but, you have to feel good about that. He made Okay, so he made three scoring throws yesterday that I, would, that I think I could make a case we have not seen consistently here for a long, long time. 75-yard bomb to Diggs, which was a great play. 
The twenty-two yard pass to Thielen. Now people, I, I people will, want to see that one again. But that people was, will <laughs> say, yeah, people because it went. It essentially went through two Packers. But nonetheless, it's a touchdown. Yeah, it's a game tying touchdown, or or it puts you down by two. But the point being is, we can nitpick that, but it worked. And then, and I think this is a throw that Teddy could have made. But nonetheless, the two point conversion to Diggs to tie it was a really nice touch pass. Yes. So you are. I'm with you in the fact. That in the second half, an OT of that game in which Cousins was 21-29 for 293 yards with three touchdowns and a pick, he did things where it's very obvious that when they made the move to him, this is why. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I think it validates everything you thought watching from afar in Washington that, okay, this is a guy who can, he's going to get hot once in a while and throw for 350, 400 yards and put up, put up scores. And it's not just fake fantasy numbers. It's not just when his team is trailing by three touchdowns. Cause I think that was a real concern that did he inflate his numbers on a bad team? Is he just a fantasy quarterback? Like Blake Bortles was a few years ago. And what you saw yesterday was much more substantive than just a fantasy quarterback. And this is the most talented team that he's been a part of too. I mean, these wide receivers and that running back, this is, and the defense on the other side, this is the most talented team he's been a part of. So seeing that in the second half yesterday, especially because, Phil, you know this, I was, he was driving me nuts in the first half because he was holding on to the ball too damn long. Yeah. Uh, but in the second half, man, he, he lit it up. It was great. Yeah, that th- that is one thing he does. He does seem to take his time surveying the landscape his, once in a while. Yeah. His, his pocket awareness is not great. Rodgers, who is unbelievable, added if you watch him operate in the pocket it's just small stuff too but rogers will will move around mm-hmm. as if he's on ice skates at times and he'll just move here or there Cousins seems to get set and and he had a couple situations yesterday where there was pressure coming from his backside and he didn't feel it but all right i'll get past that and i'll get past the fact that i still don't think he's a top 10 quarterback what he did yesterday in bringing th- this team back that's why you brought him in i defy i defy you to find in the last group post far or as i said before since 2010 i would argue that you're not going to find a lot of Vikings quarterbacks that down by that much going into the fourth quarter at green bay would bring it back well how many quarterbacks in the nfl right now do you think on a semi regular basis give you a chance in the fourth quarter of that game cuz it ain't much more than 10. No, it's probably not. Right? No, I mean, there's Brady, Russell not. Wilson, Big, Big yeah. Ben, Drew Brees. There's there's six right away that come to mind. But I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. Matt Ryan the last couple of years? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's not a very long list of quarterbacks that you put in that situation. You guys ever play, probably not Judd, Madden, or, or the... Um, uh, the college football game from like the early 2000s. NCAA football? Yeah. EA where, Sports, yeah. Where you could go back and put yourself in... Classic situations. All right, you are the Doug Flutie Boston College team, and you're down by <laughs> yeah. whatever, however many points with Cordell Stewart at Michigan. Yep, yeah. and it's and you have to now score a touchdown in that exact situation. If you were to replicate that and say, "All right, you're down by double digit points on the road at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers, hobbled Aaron Rodgers, go get it." How many quarterbacks would you trust in that spot? And I don't know if I would have said Kirk Cousins before yesterday. I don't know if I would have. I wouldn't have put Kirk I, Cousins on I that I certainly list. didn't at that point. But he's on the list now. But at, at that point, going into the last quarter on Sunday, there is no way I thought they're coming back. Yeah, and and you know we the defense was the main reason why they got smoked in Philadelphia on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. But the other reason, and and it 
didn't get enough play at the time because he had such a great year. Is Case Keenum once they fell down in that environment, once they fell down by double digit points, the yeah, game no was chance. the game was over. No chance. And after watching yesterday, I don't know. I'm not saying you would have won the game against the Eagles. I'm saying if you find yourself down by double digits, this is a dude who can clearly sling it around and put a pass up 70 yards down the field to Diggs over here and dissect you with Thielen over here. Hell, he also found Laquan Treadwell for a touchdown. How I mean that. Let's give him credit for that. First he, one of his career for Laquan. But then he dropped three passes right. after that, including one, one that he tipped for a pick. Yes. Let's take one call here before we get to Courtney. 651-646-8255. Paul, you're on the show. Two questions for you. I tweeted you guys yesterday. None of you answered me. Are you at all concerned of the lack of running game with this team right now, number one? The second question is, what adjustments did you guys see that caused Cousins to succeed in the second half? Because it was sluggish. In the first half, what what? And I thought about you know, all right, well, we're going to have to make some kind of adjustments. I don't know what. Did you guys notice anything different uh, that that they did in the second half that caused Cousins to uh, succeed? I think finding Diggs and Thielen was one ingredient. Yeah. I think he just got rid of the ball quicker. I mean, the first half, and I don't know if yeah. it was just coverage. If the coverage in the secondary was just really good, and that's why he was hesitant to throw the ball. But in the second half, he just got rid of the ball sooner. I also think that the Packer defense got tired, as did the uh, Vikings. Mm -hmm. It was a hot day there. So I think both defenses wore down a bit. Uh, To answer question one, Paul, I I remain concerned about the O-line as a whole, absolutely. So it's not just the run game. This this offensive line desperately, if nothing else, needs Pat Elfline back. They just do. And then you and saw he's a Rashad. Hell of a player. Then you saw Rashad Hill get hurt yesterday, and yep. Brian O'Neill had to come in. You're right. I mean, yeah. It's also worth noting though. Dalvin Cook is the type of guy where even if he's not getting the ball in a classic running game scenario, he's going to find a way to get 90 or 100 yards. Yeah. You know, they they use him out of the backfield. He had that one play where he he lined up as a receiver in the slot on the left and Ran just, like a little slant. Yeah. Over the middle, yeah. And he had a 15-yard gain or whatever it was. I mean, that's, you know, using using him against linebackers to gain yardage. I don't care if it's classified as a run or a pass. If you're using him to yeah, gain yards against a linebacker, really nice. then it's effective. All right, let's keep this going with Courtney. There's, we could talk about that game yesterday for five days on end <laughs> and not run out of material. Oh, it was fun. It's, it was not a well-played game. It was a fun game to watch. It had everything, but at times it was really well played. Oh, but at it, times it was a disaster. But at it times was, it was a complete it was cluster. <laughs> it was everything. All right, let's get Courtney Cronin in here from ESPN.com, and then Matthew Collar will join for the 5 o'clock football hour, which is really just a football show on Mondays. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. We're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Tune in Tuesdays at 6 p.m. for the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken. Every week, Jamie Watson and Adrian Heath will be breaking down Minnesota United FC, MLS soccer, and more right here on 1500 ESPN. Cousins pressure. Hit as he throws. Going for Thielen. Waiting for a single touchdown! Oh, my! Or what went into the decision today to let Daniel Carlson go? Did you see the game? Was it was it an easy decision? Yeah, pretty easy. <laughs> it's so great. I love it. Oh, that's such... I want that as my ringtone. <laughs> I want... Cordy Cronin's with us from ESPN.com. I want this right here as my nine-second ringtone. What went into the decision today to let Daniel Carlson go? Did you see the game? 
Was it was it an easy decision? Yeah, pretty easy. Yeah, pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, pretty easy. Did you watch the game? Wow. <laughs> Um, well, that, that didn't take long for them to rectify, Courtney. Less than 24 hours on the Daniel Carlson for Dan Bailey move. Exactly. And, I mean, since I'm all about brutal honesty, just like Zimmer is, um, I think the response that was given there, I mean, it's all about timing and who is asking questions. Just, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Um, I don't know if we would have gotten the same response. You know, he's, getting, he's under attack right now. Uh, on social media. Some people love the savage response. Some others are saying, well, that's maybe the reason uh, you can't commit psychological warfare on a kicker. I mean, you saw what happened against in the Seattle game that they won where Carlson missed a few field goals, and, you know, Zimmer publicly said that he was trying to send him a message by going for the two-point conversion at the beginning of the second quarter. Um, that doesn't help rookie kickers. I mean, I know that no one gets coddled in this league. Nobody's job is safe. You have to go out there and perform. He was expected to do that, particularly on the game winner yesterday, the 35-yarder, which, um, you know, that he should be able to make that. But, you know, I think that he was shook. And, you know, they don't – they clearly, you know, saw an opportunity to, you know, remedy some of the issues that they've had in the kicking game. Zimmer didn't really say he feels snake-bitten, but it's, you know, pretty obvious that, you know, there have been some issues. But I think we also need to point to the fact that, you know, maybe things haven't been handled in a way that, you know, mentally supports kickers. You know, we all remember the chip shot comment from two years ago. Uh, I think that that stuff is still relevant when you're talking about how this happened and why it all went down the way it did. And that's a great point, too, because, Courtney, what's weird is this. Why did the GM, well aware of who his coach is, attempt <laughs> attempt another marriage between a young man who kicks and Zim? It's weird because... You knew you knew from past experience that Mike my perception of Mike is he sees kickers as a necessary e- evil who and he really deep down hates them. So that <laughs> that needs to be a guy like Janikowski. I you know what bring him in here he can play nose guard too. He's a fat guy who kicks. But it is it's very it's very odd that they went back to this well with a coach who sees this position as a position he has to employ and I don't think has any interest in talking to or working with these guys. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that it was a questionable decision to begin with, particularly when you had so many issues elsewhere. It kind of feels like we called this. You know, this was, you know, a fifth-round pick that they traded two six-rounders for. Um, Zimmer, you know, said he wasn't too concerned about that. You know, kind of, kind of fight hardly, you know, poking fun at, you know, the fact that Rick is Trader Rick and we'll be able to get those six-rounders back. But I think you, you just kind of shake your head when this happens. Um, Kai Forbeck was the eighth most accurate, is the eighth most accurate kicker in NFL history. And two months after they re-sign him on a one-year deal, they go and draft Daniel Carlson. So none of it really made sense when the whole thing went down. I think that that, you know, might be a sign of showing where, you know, front office has certain needs and, and believes and has values and then the coaching staff might think differently because it just doesn't align. This is not somebody that you would think Zimmer would vouch for um, and, and want to, to bring in here, especially knowing how, how tough that can be to have a rookie kicker at your disposal and, you know, his track record is that he doesn't cut them any slack and, and he certainly didn't uh, with Daniel Carlson. Courtney, I think the biggest shame in, in yesterday is that this whole thing with Daniel Carlson, and then they had the block punt early in the game too. Mm-hmm. That like all of that is like overshadowing how good Kirk Cousins was in the second half of that game, getting them back tied up, 
forcing the overtime, how good Diggs and Thielen were. And that has been overshadowed by Carlson missing kicks, a punt being blocked, Treadwell not being able to catch anything after it looked like he had maybe turned a corner after catching his first touchdown. I mean, but that that all of that stuff has overshadowed how good Kirk Cousins was in the second half of the game. I mean, you're, you're exactly right, and particularly Manny in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was over seven in the fourth quarter last week. Uh, situational football, that's always been something that's been dissected with Kirk Cousins. Like, can he be the guy to lead you on a comeback win, to get you back in the game, uh, you know, when the game's on the line and not throw a critical red zone interception like we've seen so many times in Washington? He was terrific in the fourth quarter. I think John Filippo was terrific with his play calling. He started out kind of conservative. Um, you know, one pass to, to Dalvin Cook, I think a 24-yarder there in the first half. I mean, I think the two of them together were an incredible duo um, in, in leading the Vikings back there on that late fourth quarter surge. And it is disappointing because, you know, Cousins was outstanding. And we finally have somebody that can go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers um, and it's going to create a very fun, competitive rivalry in years to come. It just kind of is a bummer if you're, you know, looking at Kirk Cousins because his supporting cast didn't come through for him. It, I guess to admit that his supporting cast, not named Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen, uh, didn't come through for him at the end of, you know, throughout that game. Yeah. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. You can find her on Purple Podcast. Okay, am I... I, I feel like all of this stuff coming out about the roughing the passer penalties and Clay Matthews is beside himself, and the NFL has doubled down. The officials are saying not only were those the correct calls, but we're going to put those on highlight reels to show teams that you can't scoop and drive a quarterback into the ground. And all I would say, Courtney, to Clay Matthews is when the Aaron Rodgers injury took place last year, your entire roster and fan base were pushing for more protection for star quarterbacks, which by extension means all quarterbacks. And the NFL said, you know what? You're right. We're going to protect quarterbacks more aggressively. And that's what happened yesterday. Like, I think there's irony in the Packers losing a game or, I guess, not winning a game almost exclusively because of the Aaron Rodgers roughing the passer emphasis that, that kept the Vikings in a drive and then eventually pushing them down the field to score. Yeah, I mean, we knew this was going to happen, though. I mean, when you look at these type of calls and how they can effectively decide a game one way or the other, um, this is what everybody projected. It's kind of funny that this was a helmet rule conversation that we were having about you know a month and a half ago in training camp, and now it's completely shifted, uh, really starting with the Antoine Williams tackle uh, sack in the, in the second preseason game, that this is going to be something that decides games for teams. And... I'm not surprised of what, you know, came out. You know, obviously with the pool report yesterday from the officials, none of it made any sense. But the NFL's not going to look stupid. They're not going to come back and say, yeah, we screwed up. Um, because then it's, you know, how are you going to go through the 2018 season without, if you, if you go around about it that way, you're going to have to make changes and you're going to be amending stuff. And it's, it's just what they're trying to avoid. So I think the easiest thing for them to do here is be like, yep, we got it right. You guys are all wrong. Uh, you know, we're right, you're wrong. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it just because we clearly saw, uh, you know, Clay Matthews' hit was different. Uh, it looked different than Eric Kendrick's type hit. I mean, I think that there's so much room for interpretation here and what driving a quarterback into the ground and putting your whole body weight on him. Um, it's interesting because they're supposed to hit that strike zone. Well, if you're hitting the guy in the strike zone, you actually have a better chance of driving him into the ground and putting your body weight on him because it's a strike zone. It's basically, you know, 
a foot, foot and a half area where you're supposed to hit the quarterback. And last I checked, I'm not a physics major or anything, but it's very hard to tackle somebody and twist and contort your body in the air and not use the grounded support to push off them. I've got the fix, Courtney. If you yeah. ha- if you have a free path, so if you have uh, the the ability, uh, if you are Clay in yesterday's game, here here is the solution in my mind that would not draw a flag. You get the quarterback, you pin him, you hug him, you pin his arm against his body, and you just hold him and hug him as if you're embracing, because <laughs> they can't they can't flag that they can't. No, just to get a feather and just start tickling him under his armpit. You and could then, do that you know, too. <laughs> I think that's probably... Coochie, coochie, coochie. I'm becoming such a meathead now by saying that. I'm like sounding like the person. I'm not saying football's not violent, and I'm not wearing a make football violent again hat, but I am sounding like a meathead in saying that because it's a violent sport. We expect it to happen. Like, we expect quarterbacks to, to be, you know, their bodies to be contorted in ways that, you know, are clearly not comfortable and they have the risk of getting hurt. But, A, I think that you're you know, leaving way too much up for interpretation with these rules. And, you know, it's something new every single week. It's been changing since the preseason. Uh, different crews call things different ways. And, you know, I think I think there's going to be defenders that start to get hurt here uh, because you're, you're focused on trying to twist your own body and do something that's completely unnatural um, at the point of where you're making contact with a quarterback and you have a split second to roll to the side. I mean, it's, you know, with the helmet rule we talked about, maybe this is going to lead to, you know, more knee injuries because guys are trying to cut at the last possible second and you end up, you know, blowing out an ACL or tearing your Achilles. What, you know, it's going to really suck if that happens with, um, you know, with, with this rule and this rule playing some sort of effect in, you know, injuries. And, you know, just I know what they're trying to do. They want to protect the quarterback. They want to make the game safer, but they didn't go about it the right way. And these, this rule is not... You know, it clearly doesn't back that. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned the make football violent again hat and T-shirt. The, the the most predictable thing yesterday wasn't the drops by Treadwell or the missed kicks by Carlson. <laughs> it was the 15-yard kamikaze yeah. penalty by Sandejo. And he probably 100%. could have had three of them. I mean, it was ridiculous. I think that it only took till week two before if you had that like on your uh, superlative list of the season of how long it was going to take for uh, the, the rough, the, you know, unnecessary roughness. Uh, penalty on Anderson Bejo. If you said week two, then congratulations. I thought it was going to be week one. Um, it was a dumb hit, and those are the type of hits that, you know, similar to kind of the one that he got in trouble for last year, and, you know, Peel didn't think it was wrong, but uh, those are the type of things they should be trying to limit, you know, in football, not not anything else with roughing the passer. Football. Football! Football! Yeah! Football! Football! Yeah, that's the... F- that's the football we want back. We want the hug the court hug a quarterback. <laughs> That's the new slogan. Hug a Tickle quarterback. Tickle him with a feather. That's the new t-shirt. Tickle him with a feather. That's the new t-shirt. We'll send Judd out to the the Twin Cities Orthopedic Practice. Did I get that right? Performance Center TCO PC. Yes. TCO PC. You down with TCO PC? Yeah, you know. No, that that doesn't work. We get to shorten that. All right, Courtney. We'll catch you on Purple Pod and on this show next week. See you, Cronin. Okay, thanks, guys. See you, Courtney. All right, Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. Yeah. Have you hugged a quarterback today? Uh, a transcript oh, just came out from Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, so former head of officiating guys. This is from Seaford on ESPN.com. So these guys have like a back and forth where they're defending what happened. With, they're defending officials calling 
the 15 yard penalties yesterday. So I guess we can come back with that. If you want to know what Mike Pereira thinks about what happened, and he's defending it. And also, Matthew Collar will join the show too. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic from Menards, 694 westbound, uh, slowing things down by about 10 minutes. We have a crash in Fridley near University and East River Road. So if you're headed westbound on 694, look out for that. 494, we have a crash on uh, Baker Road and Excelsior in Minnetonka, slowing things down by about seven minutes. And uh, 494 eastbound, a six-minute delay between uh, 62 and Lafayette Freeway near Sunfish Lake. Look out for a crash, slowing things down, uh, adding about six minutes to your commute there. Gentlemen. Go, Pat, go! I thought it was clear that Matthew, I mean, that uh, McCarthy... Uh, no, didn't trust his defense because when he went for passes at the end of the game and didn't just run the clock out, I thought he told the team, I don't trust this defense to hold a lead no matter how much time we give them. <laughs> and I felt, I felt like that was a, a real statement by him when uh, Rodgers had two passes right at the end there. I was wondering what you think about that. Oh, That's Packer a Packer fan full of spotted cow, baby. Oh, Just yeah. like I was Saturday night. <laughs> Nothing wrong really? with that. You still drinking the spotted cow? From oh yeah, a month, couple months ago. It's at the it's at the uh, gas stations. It's the greatest thing ever. Or do you, you can just or do you, have you made another trip back to Hudson since then? No, no. Collar and I stopped along oh. the way to get some snacks, uh-huh. and I bought uh, twelve spotted cows at that point, along with four of their IPAs, and then we went to a gas station. <laughs> Right by where we were staying, and I bought six cold ones and enjoy and enjoy those while writing a takedown of the stupid Tibbs is going to meet with Butler story. <laughs> Can I paint a picture? I'm in here now. Can I Hi, paint Matthew. a picture for you guys? Hi, Matt. Saturday night. <laughs> My name's Matt. Wittenberg, Wentenberg, Wisconsin, wherever the hell we were. Judd is slamming beers and ranting about Tibbs while I was reading my defensive coordinator book and explaining to Judd how challenging it could be to be a nose tackle when you have to react so quickly to so many different blocking schemes. Football. It was a sitcom. 100% truth. That happened. Yeah. I did see one photo that Collar posted of Judd wearing multiple Packer paraphernalia yeah, items. Yeah, I tr- cheese head I, yes, I tried to get station. him to put on the cheese hat, and he and he did it. I was hoping it would ignite rage of the internet, but I think people have sort of gotten used to the Judd gag of trolling them. Like last year when we were stuck in Philadelphia, we went to a store because we had no clothes left, and he bought a Philadelphia Eagles championship shirt. Still got it. It's very nice. What happened? You guys got delayed on the way back or something? Uh, it snowed here. Snowed here. I That's there, right. There was a snowstorm here, so we were caught in Philadelphia. That was the bad part, but the good part, it was like 60 degrees, so we were like, oh, this is not too bad. And we had to go to the store, and we bought socks that turned out to be women's socks, but it was like... Oh, Super that, comfortable. What's diff- but what's the oh, difference? Judd wears women's socks pretty much every they day. Breathe, right? They you breathe. You and Don really just interchange well. socks. Just like, who cares? Like, what's the difference? We went shopping, and then we, and then we both went to eat at the Ruby Tuesdays and got the salad bar. 
four times, I think we ate. I love that Ruby Tuesdays in Philadelphia. Go, Pat, go! The Clay Matthews uh, squish rule, you know, that we've got going on this season. Tell me, if is this what I'm thinking here? They're saying, basically, if you get in a car accident, you can use your brakes, but don't slam them on. Is that right? Am I wrong? <laughs> He's absolutely right. Just don't slam on the brakes. Nailed it. Yeah, just grab. Uh, I, I'm telling you, the next step is to hug the quarterback, pin his arm, and don't throw him down. Just hug him until they blow the whistle. How about the Mike Daniels thing yesterday? Did you see Mike Daniels got to Cousins and then... Like he thought he had him, or he thought he pushed him, or something. And then he yeah. just like turned around and stopped because I think he might have thought that Cousins had thrown the ball. Yeah, he thought Cousins didn't have the ball. Yeah, and, and he just stopped just like and won. turned his back to him and just was like looking downfield to see where the ball was going. Yeah, it's it's to the point where every time a defender comes near a quarterback, you're thinking, oh, like fifteen yards. And I'm and if we're thinking that on our couches, imagine what you must be thinking in the middle of the game, close game, fourth quarter, overtime. You're going to see a lot of that, where a guy just loses track. Does he have the ball? I don't know. I'm going to err on the side of not getting penalized 15 yards right now. You've gotten to the point now where if you're a defensive player, you have no idea what you really can do. And it's going to go crew by crew, too. Some crews will say, okay, that, that's fine. And some crews will say, you threw the guy down. That's just a penalty. Well, let's let's pay this off here when we come back. Because now, now that Kyler's in the mix and we're going to, we're going to get into our football-heavy 5 o'clock hour, which is just quite a bit like the 4 o'clock-heavy football hour, the 3 o'clock-heavy football hour. Um, <laughs> Blandino and Pereira actually disagree. I got it wrong. They disagree with what the NFL officials are coming out with. The NFL officials want to push this this tape out to all the teams saying, you can't scoop and slam a quarterback to the ground, and Pereira and Blandino are drawing a line in the sand. It's official on official crime, and we'll talk about it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN.